Okay. And, um, I thought it was good. Then I'm going to go back to Scott Kelly. I thought it was very interesting, um, him bringing up his brother a couple of times and mentioning uh, about the Ukrainian fighter pilots meeting with his brother, Mark, last week. Um, I shared some information about them last week, uh, uh, a CNN interview that they did. And uh, it's all related to this uh, bill that Adam, Adam Kinzinger has, has uh, introduced into, into the House uh, of the United States Congress um, to train fighter pilots on uh, Ukrainian fighter pilots on F-15s and f 16 So I'm, I'm glad to see that. And I, I think it would be fabulous if uh, we could have Scott help us get his brother Mark to come on as a, as a, as a guest. That would be a, a fabulous thing also. Um, and then one more thing going back to earlier today, Battle Moose, when you were talking about the MREs and all of that, if he does show up, it would be fabulous to ask him to compare the uh, military MREs and the and the food that he was offered and able to eat in space. I think that would be a very interesting comparison. So that was those were the things that I was wondering. If you go follow uh, Colonel uh, Chris Hadfield, uh, he actually went through the entire menu. That's available at the on the ISS. So if you're interested in that, uh, he's got several YouTube videos posted on it. Good deal. Will you message me that name? His Twitter handle is cmdr underscore Hadfield h a d f i e l d. If you just search Chris Hadfield on Twitter, you can find him pretty quickly. He's only got a couple of million followers. All right. Thank you. Sounds good. Um, I was had my ears peaked up when he mentioned the possibility of sending A-10s. I don't know uh, how useful they would be with the prevalence of uh, man pads all over Ukraine. But um, as I understand it, the U.S. military has been wanting to draw down on our A-10 inventory for quite some time. And uh, somebody with a little more military experience than myself, because I have none, could maybe... uh, clarify for me i thought we had some sort of street to seat program uh that would imply that as nc if, if an nco can fly at an a10 that would Im- imply to me that they don't require nearly as much training or um, mathematical expertise to operate the airframe yeah the the a10 is very much a stick and rudder aircraft it's a it's a pilot's aircraft uh basically you're you're flying a rather large gun uh, there's, uh, uh, there's, there's a really good, and, uh, with, with a lot of levity, there's a really good YouTube video out there by the fat electrician that gives a breakdown of the, of the A-10. Um, the, uh, the A-10 cares not about your man pads. Uh, there, there were, there were, there were guys in Iraq that were basically flying back and they can look down at the wing and see their landing gear through the hole, the, like the rather large hole that the SAM made in the, in their wing. And, you know, they're a little concerned about, uh, uh, maybe the hydraulics won't work, but, uh, you know, the, the, the A-10 can belly land quite you know, quite, quite happily. And it's got uh triple redundant hydraulics. So uh, that, that actually you ever see the diagram, the inside, they take different routes. 
throughout the aircraft. So if uh, one if one area of the, air, of the aircraft is shot or compromised, uh, the the systems automatically reroute. So Jeez, it's a uh, pretty pretty slick in that it's made to take punishment. Yeah, I, I believe the um, cockpit area is heavily reinforced. So you're basically sitting in a giant armored bathtub while you fly it yeah it's a it's a what is it an inch and a half titanium tub so yeah if we if we can get those in in theater and uh i know there's been rumblings that uh you know uh there there's pilot training already going on for them um you know the, the the so much the better i won't believe it till i see you know uh a10s in the uh in the uh, Ukrainian digi pattern, uh, with with the trizub emblazoned on 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 the side, that I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about that. Uh, you know, in formation with a couple frogfoots going out to do business, and uh, oh yeah, I got full on goosebumps now. Uh, with that, there, uh, Douglas, how are you doing, buddy? I think he's patiently yeah. awaiting the yeah, return I was, of our astronaut yeah, friend. Yeah, I was waiting for Mark, but. Uh... Um, if you think about it, uh, two billion U.S. dollars have been committed to the uh, war front, and uh, that really makes me happy. Really, really, really makes me happy. We're finally getting serious, and uh, the uh, the dog's not wagging its tail. I mean, the, the, the dog the dog is uh, the dog is uh, happy. Like the dog. It, yeah, the, the, thank you. Thank you for the correction. Uh, I always get that confused. But I'm uh, really just that news alone tells me um, that uh, Uncle Lloyd uh, and uh, Brother Joe are uh, in control and, on it. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that Sweden is part of NATO. I'm in, in Sweden and uh, you cannot believe the attitudinal change it, overnight. It is amazing. It is phenomenal. It is incredible that people finally have gotten out of the ditch and understand that there's evil lurking in the distance and not too far from uh, Finland. So uh, I am uh, happy. I just, uh, I'm just celebrating that. Two billion, two billion, two billion dollars in uh, aid to uh, uh, a just and right cause, a righteous cause, a, uh, a, um, a, 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 what can I say? I, I have, I have the Bucha massacre, uh, flip my brain into um, an aggressivity that it hasn't known for 40 years. And uh, I'm training hard. I swim 10,000 meters a week. I'm running some. So I'm uh, getting ready for battle. And I'm 65. So uh, I can tell you this. This is the war we have to win. Yeah, but maybe getting your math correct would be would be a good start. It's not two billions. It's almost five today, if you include all the Europeans uh, packages. Uh, indeed, that's correct. That's absolutely correct. And I, uh, um, yeah, that is an enormous sum of, uh, of, of, of uh, metal. Uh, and I hope Abrams are included. I'm, I'm, I'm from Ohio. They're made partially in Lima, Ohio. And uh, I can say that they are one beast of a, a beast of a tank. And I don't care if it's jet fuel, diesel fuel, whatever fuel they need to have. You put 500 of them together and you're going to win the war. You're going to win the war. Yeah, you're gonna crush the East, East defenders of that that filthy, lousy. Oh my God, I can't. I I I, I hate him, 
And uh, don't get me started because uh, I will strangle him alone. I, I mean, I literally am 65 years old, and this is uh, – I can't handle – I can't handle the uh, the images that I've seen and I've uh, subjected myself to in order to uh, – in order to justify uh, to all of my uh, passive friends uh, the need for uh, the need for active engagement now, this is not funny. This is war, and we have to win. I just uh, Lloyd Lloyd Austin is my hero. He's welcome in my house anytime. I will buy I, him. I, I agree. I agree with you one hundred percent that uh, you know it's uh, it's it's high time that we we start getting this stuff in uh, in with abandon in, in, in country and, and whatnot. Um, I just want to say that, uh, you know, Gurney, I, I'm trying to raise you. It's, uh, it's not letting me, uh, sorry, buddy, but I, it, Twitter is Twittering. Uh, with that, uh, we had, uh, we're joined by CJ. Uh, oh no, the Gurney's got his hand up. We'll get Gurney in here because, uh, he's got a pretty problematic, uh, connection. Oh man problematic connection yeah no thanks thanks moose uh, i was just having no audio issues there um yeah i was just tuning in for it was a fabulous discussion with space commander kelly um and hopefully he's coming back i i thought it was wonderful um but my eye caught something else my eye caught something uh in the audience uh and if there's anyone ever listening in and they could possibly offer support for maria aid um i you know we're i'm, I'm sure we're always up to uh, have a mutual discussion on that to see if opportunities align so my eye saw a communications provider in the audience that that we haven't seen perhaps drawn to the conversation with uh um, our terrestrial friends and our astronaut friends there with space commander kelly so i'd always encourage them if they'd like to uh to step up to engage in a conversation offline, you know, to see if there's mutual commitment or mutual opportunities for support, whether it's for Maria aid, uh, whether it's equipment, whether it's monetary donations, but to uh, leverage those mutual interests uh, between that corporate that corporate agent uh, and entity that's listening in. Uh, but again, please feel free to get a hold of me or uh, or work offline. But my eye sees that, and uh, I like to reach out to to work with people that could help Maria aid um, and obviously help support Ukraine. Thanks. Yeah, and I'd like yeah. to uh, to go with Gunny, uh, Gurney. We're we really like you, and we think we're you're a great company, regardless of anything else. Uh, and yeah, we're a bit we're a bit giddy, and uh, and uh, there's at least two fun boys in the team. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. Thank you. Yeah, and, uh, maybe maybe no names, no pactorals uh, till till this uh, entity wants to reveal themselves, right? Yeah, thank you. But Ben so kindly revealed my name to you guys. But Ben, I'm I'm not soliciting myself. <laughs> thank thank you. <laughs> you might want to check with Starfleet about your personal connection. Oh, and if you're if you're a company a like uh, Gurney Gurney said, uh, and, and you would like to uh, pair up and uh, work with Maria Aid or or the Walter Report for that matter. Uh, I, if I see you, I don't know who you are because uh, Battle Moose lives under a rock. Uh, quite, quite lately, I, I live under the Canadian Shield. Uh, I actually worked for NORAD for five years, so I literally worked under the Canadian Shield for uh, for that entire time. Um, please reach out, uh, re reach out to Walter, reach out to Yehuda reach out to uh, any of the hosts here. We'll pass along your message uh, to the powers that be that make uh, make everything in the background work. 
with that, we'll go with uh, Mystical Colt, and uh, I do see that you still have your background as Fat Amy. Oh, I was uh, going to talk about, um, uh, there, there's been some sort of a talk on social media about the today that the, the they may be giving uh, up to 170 kilometer range uh, um, missiles, but uh, I, I don't know if that was leaked or whatever, but that's been going around. Um, revolving Atacam. Well, if you found anything about Atacam, send them my way. I'd be uh, very interested. Although, I was going to speak about the, the bridge incident again, because I think it might be tied to it, honestly, but this is just uh, my personal opinion. I don't know if you went on mute intentionally, CJ, but um, I'd be happy to hear your personal opinions about Atacams and the Kursan bridge. Well, so, uh, I was referring to the, the old Kirch bridge. Or at least yeah, sorry, Kirch bridge. Oh no, I wasn't sure. I guess I, you know, I didn't geolocate that bridge. Other people said it was Kirch that I that I trust, so I just went with that. But if it was something else, that would be good important information. That was just a brain fart on my part. Disregard. Well, no. So you know, uh, I know some people have been talking about it today. I think it's super fascinating, personally, only because in the space I've been asked so many times by you know very curious people who are very well intentioned, and uh, you know I'm sort of curious about it too. Why hasn't uh, Ukraine sort of struck this br- this bridge and destroyed it? And the first reason, of course, is there is it's pretty far away, right? It's in the deepest corner pocket of occupied Ukraine, right? Russia built this bridge after 2014 to go straight to Russia and kind of circumnavigate everything else or circumvent, sorry. And so this bridge also has a rail line on it and can bring lots of supplies, weapons, ammo, and fuel from Russia unimpeded by the war. So what was interesting today was there seemed to be a gigantic uh, smokescreen appearing over the bridge. And some people said it was a fire. Some people said it was one thing or another. But um, what I was able to see in the video was a TD3 or sorry, a TDA3 Russian smoke vehicle, which I'd seen in other Russian training videos. And so what the Russians officially put out was that this um, was just some part of protection for the bridge and a training exercise. But if you look at the actual text, I, you know, I sort of broke it down a little bit more, and I seem to think they're kind of practicing being able to screen uh, you know, a water area or a bridge for something else in a different part of Ukraine. Um, but some other people have floated the theory that they may actually be doing something under that smoke screen, um, and then when the smoke clears, we'll be able to see on satellite and see something else. And so what on earth could Russia be trying to hide under a smoke screen near that bridge? And I think you can kind of all guess where I'm going, but... It must be something important enough to put a smoke screen on, uh, which is not something at least I've seen anywhere else in the war. Maybe other people have, but uh, I'd be open to, to discussing that more. But if it bores everyone to death, I understand. Well, we're, see, we're, see, always, we're always willing to sit here and talk about uh, systems that can reach out and you know touch somebody. Would you think they might be reinforcing the bridge potentially under the cover of smoke? Well, if you put it in the context of Snake Island, you know, the pullout over the last two days, they uh, they probably had more assets that were going to, more air defense and radar assets that were going to go to Snake Island over the coming days and weeks. And of course, they will no longer be headed that way. And as we saw today, Russia was doing um, some post, you know, post-mission strikes. I'm drawing a blank on the official name now, but they were basically blowing in place everything of value on the island. Uh, which is something that I've seen in person in Afghanistan and other places when a vehicle crashes or, or, or can't be recovered, you have to basically, in order to prevent it from getting in enemy hands, you have to blow it up. Although, as people pointed out, they kind of missed the target and just hit the water. So 
that's kind of funny to me that Ukraine with unguided artillery is able to hit Snake Island better than they are with advanced fighters and uh, bombs. But that's sort of a separate thing. So they have all these assets in Crimea that maybe we're going to Snake Island and no longer need to be there. So another good place to put them, in my opinion, if I was Russia, would would be uh, the, you know, the Kerch Bridge. But putting them in, you know, a lot of people drive on this bridge. It's like a fairly civilian area. It's not like Snake Island, which you can't see, you know, every day. And so I wonder then maybe they were using the smoke as a one part training exercise and another part in placement of some some bigger things. So when the smoke clears, they'll have more of a protective screen around it, um, as in radars and missiles. So uh, how easily could they conceal uh, an anti-air battery like that beneath the bridge? Uh, could a satellite imagery not get, you know, an angle shot on that and detect that? Or do you think they would be able to conceal it well enough that it it wouldn't be noticeable on subsequent satellite passes. Well, uh, you know, the thing about, of course, air defense missiles and radar is you need to have a, you know, sort of clear, unobstructed view of the sky if you want them to work. So in all of those cases, you know, they will also be, uh, if they're able to shoot in the sky, then they're going to be visible from the sky uh, unless they have some sort of underground bunker system where they kind of like North Korea does roll out air defense and radars and roll them back in. So there may be some construction going on around that part. But um, but to your point, no, I don't think they can really put in an effective system without it also being visible from space, which is why I'm kind of puzzled why they would even try and um, use a smoke screen for any point of that to hide it if, you know, in a day's time, we'll be able to see it for ourselves on satellite imagery. I just want to mention before we carry on <clears throat> that one of our listeners had uh, gone out and made the center must hold bumper stickers. And, uh, you know, quoted our, our very own Axel on there. So now in the States, there's a bunch of uh, Axel quotes on people's bumpers. So I don't know if uh, Axel could ever speak again, because I don't think his ego is going to fit in the space anymore. Where do so, I get uh, these bumper stickers? Oh, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll reach out. I'll, re- I'll reach out to the, uh, to the individual that uh, made them and, uh, and, and see if we can get, get a batch of them. Sounds like can we have a little competition? The one who comes up with the best explanation for this uh, smoke screen in the coming two hours is uh, deserving of a of one of those stickers. What do you say? I mean, I think CJ already had it. This is a training exercise for uh, smoke chaff and others uh, in order to hide their anti-air missiles uh, and missile batteries, which they have to put up there. That's it. Yeah, I don't think so. I think it's um, a magical exercise to make the fire gremlins believe that the the bridge is already on fire, so they don't have to set it on fire. Considering everything catches a blaze, uh, goes ablaze in uh, in Russia these days. And so to to clarify as well, right? Some people kind of thought that oh. You know, why would they be putting up smoke on, you know, an 18,000 meter bridge? What's that going to stop? And, and someone pointed out maybe they should just use that Russian general to obscure the bridge, which I thought was a little bit funny. But um, in any case, of course, as everyone knows, and, you know, the Russians know, too, smoke doesn't stop GPS guided missiles at all. Right. The only thing smoke can stop in terms of missiles is laser guided. And so the question then becomes, you know, what good is smoke to that area? Well, if they're trying to emplace a complex system and they don't want, you know, the people driving by to see, you know, one thought is what are the Russians scared of at this point? Because high Mars right now with the M31s and M30s can not even come close to reaching it. But 
Then comes Axel's favorite thing. Then comes the question, do the Russians know something we don't about Ukraine's weapons? Do they have attack ums? Would people there with grids be able to disrupt these systems uh, before they're fully in place? And that really got me thinking again. I don't want to go too speculative. But when the announcement came today of the new U.S. aid, it just said weapons and ammo for the HIMARS. It made no mention of what type. And so I do wonder then if, if quite possibly something else has just entered the fray. CJ, could I add a, a bit of uh, speculation here uh, on the obscure? Up to battle moves, but yeah, I would love to hear, Gurney. Yeah, so um, so again, this is this is the land of speculation. I, I'm going to couch that statement in that. I, I, you know, we usually, I usually don't go out that far, um, so don't take this as a matter of fact. But um, I would love to think that in the obscurant, I mean, there has been some experiments and research done, and some. Um, actual applications of taking carbon nanotubes. So if, if carbon as a material um, absorbs radar, uh, and if you can have a, a, a lighter than air type uh, or a light uh, carbon nanotube, and even better if uh, between the carbon, it happens to be hollow and it's still light enough to remain in the air long enough, uh, it'll bounce radar. So when you're talking about obscurant for, for optical, um, but if we're talking about the, the radar side of it, um, you can bounce all that radar uh, back and forth between between the carbon tubes and, and trap it inside of it. And, and, and it eventually loses its energy, dissipates the energy. But Again, speculation, I'm not saying it's happening, but uh, if that, that was mixed in the obscurant, like some of the uh, applications and prototypes that, that um, have been researched and, and prototyped, if the Russians are doing that, I would like to think, here's the happy part of the speculation, um, it serves as, uh, as radar chaff in that obscurant, so it could possibly work against synthetic aperture radar imagery uh, if you're also blocking the optical realm, uh, but it could also obscure that. So my happy thought is if that's mixed into the obscure cloud, I'd like to say that there, again, do not, this is happy speculation. Audience, do not take this as a fact. I'd like to think that they're uh, it, mixing carbon nanotubes into the obscure while the civilians are driving by. And I should add carbon nanotubes are extremely dangerous akin to asbestos because they are very sharp, very strong daggers that hang in the air and float. So they make great additives to obscurant. Highly, highly, highly hazardous. As the wind blows, as obscurant could take it, um, again, I'm not saying it's there, but I'd like to think that this is a research test on the civilians driving across the bridge and that are occupying the Crimean Peninsula, because if that is in the cloud to obscure synthetic aperture radar, that would be uh, one of the worst environmental pollutants to uh, drive through. Uh, very bad for your lungs, but again, speculate. And yeah, sounds like it has pulmonary fibrosis written all over it. No, of just course. For, just for our audience, uh, for the record, Scott Kelly, Commander Scott Kelly, uh, will try to join us um, sometime later. We don't know because right now he's in a bad reception zone literally riding through the mountain uh, when he receives a better uh, mobile network uh, he'll try to join sometime later we don't know when that is uh, maybe in a minute or two maybe in a couple of hours uh, but he will rejoin the space actually in one hour from now we'll also be joined by Lubov Zibulska it's gonna be a shorter discussion uh, quite on point um, Regarding who Lyubov Cebulska is, she is a hybrid warfare expert. She's founder of Stratcom Center, 
and uh, advisor of Ministry of For Foreign Affairs in Ukraine and former Minister of Defense and advisor to General Step um, in Ukraine. So again, Lyubov Cebulska will join us in one hour from now. We are expecting Commander Scott Kelly to join us sometime soon when he gets a better reception. And uh, that's it for for now. Again, we're staying put. And uh, please share and retweet the space. And uh, more interesting guests, guests uh, will join soon. And to use yeah, no, not to to bogart the space here, but um, you know, if you if you're having trouble finding this on a map, which I've gotten a couple of DMs about, I'd recommend just you know lo- like loading up Live UA map and looking at the southeast corner of Ukraine, and you can kind of see it. It's out in the middle of water, uh, and as they put there, you know, it, it's it's a drill, and this is what the Russian government put out as well. But Gurney, you know, made me think of something in his line of thinking, which is, you know, civilians are seeing this and we're thinking civilians, we're thinking the people of Crimea, right? There's a reason why Crimea has some of the best uh, military equipment on the Russian side and some of the uh, sort of the prioritization in terms of the units and the equipment. So this is as far as I know. And again, someone can correct me on this because I just, you know, I've been watching this thing very closely the whole time. I have not seen use of obscurant like this in a tactical setting for the Russians despite it being in their doctrine. Of course, there's a lot of things missing from the battlefield that's supposed to be in their doctrine. But we think about all these failed bridge crossings. We think of all these very expensive pieces of equipment that they've lost simply to very cheap drones. You know, this is something that is useful to them that they, we have not quite seen yet. So it makes you wonder, is this sort of a piece of equipment that they're not really well trained on across the board? Is it a piece of equipment that they want to keep in reserve and keep for critical areas like Crimea? I, I don't know, but I think... Um, You know, when we say like we see Russian tanks moving up that are pulled out of storage, they also have newer things and they also have better techniques and tactics. But, you know, for the most part, we're just simply not seeing them. Yes, CJ, that's that's exactly right in terms of my line of thinking, because we we have seen some obscurant in the form of of traditional tank, you know, where they're mixing things. They're they're running it rich and you can make sort of an obscurant cloud from the tank. I've I've seen some videos. Uh, but that's, you know, older, much, much older technology. Now, I'm not sure what the vehicles were positioned on the bridge. If we have any eagle eyes that could spot that, they looked like they were dedicated obscurant vehicles producing a much larger cloud and directed upward as opposed to coming out the exhaust. Uh, so, you know, clearly they're not running anything crazy in the in the tank obscurant obscurance to a lesser effect but yeah to your point exactly you know what 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 was that equipment and why running the rehearsals um you know and, and what is the obscurant purposes for but that was my line of thinking well we well we got a lull here i was just going to mention that uh, <clears throat> you know we we get a we get on goddamn listeners uh while we're hosting the space and sometimes when we're not hosting the space <clears throat> excuse me uh, but if you're going to send uh, something uh, to to one of the co-hosts, uh, don't don't just you know tweet uh, a, a link because we're not going to open the link. Uh, I'll tell you that's there 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 there's there's a lot of shenanigans that people try to pull on us. Uh, it's better than you, know, you reference the article that you t- you know New York Times this date spoke about this. You know, I'd like to get finance to, uh, you know, to uh, comment on that. Yeah, we have no problem passing that along. But if you just send us a a link with nothing on it, 
Mm, yeah, I got. I got to tell you that we're 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 probably just going to delete that post because we can't afford. Uh, we 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 can't afford. Right? Uh, it's it's just not uh, conducive for us because we're all on our own phones. Uh, you know, a lot of us, like I said, we're all doing this off the sides of our desks. And, uh, you know, it, it, a lot, a lot of us, you know, do our own banking on our phones. So we don't, we, we don't want to be opening up our, uh, our phones to such risk. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, we, we appreciate, uh, like all the, all the comments that we do get and the words of, uh, it, uh, it, it gives me, it warms my cockles at night. So, uh, we, uh, we very, we very much appreciate it. So thank, thank you to, uh, those of you out there that are, uh, encouraging us and giving us the, uh, positive reinforcement. Cause, uh, I tell you, there are days who's, uh, who's up next, or are we just going to throw it down and you're all going to wrestle for the mic? No, actually, Ender had uh, connected um, a good 10 minutes ago uh, and had to drop. And Nina was after. Uh, then there's um, Scandina- uh, Scandinavian and uh, Mystical Cold. And Gurney. And Gurney. Gurney is last because Gurney is the best, so we, we keep him for, for dessert. <laughs> Ander, go ahead. Ander, your mic is muted. Let's go to Enda. If Enda is not here, uh, I'm here. Try to reconnect. Oh, you're there. Then we'll go to Scandinavo and Mystical Cult. Enda to you. Okay, thank you. So I wanted to talk about um, about Turkey a bit. If uh, if if everybody it's okay with that. Well, we'd like never to speak about Turkey, but if we must. Yeah, let's park it for now. Uh, let's go to Scandinavia, Gurney, then Mystical, and then we'll get back to you. And okay, thank so you. So that we don't like redivert uh, abruptly. Scandinavia, Gurney, Mystical. So my turn now. Correct. Go ahead. Okay, thank you, thank you, Walter, and uh, thanks again for uh, everything, uh, especially for the space and uh, for everything that you've done for Ukraine. Um, I actually wanted to chime in uh, regarding Gurney's, uh, I think it was Gurney uh, talking about the smoke, uh, carbon nanotubes and all that. While I'm a civilian uh, uh, in terms of my research background, uh, I, I've done a fair bit of stuff on, on, on nano stuff. And uh, I don't think that there's anybody or any place in the world where you would produce uh, basically bucket loads of carbon nanotubes that you would throw into a smoke like that. I think you're, you're right in the sense that uh, carbon nanotubes would in well, actually, no, because carbon nanotubes have a very short length. And, and, and typically when you're dealing with like radar, you know, you're dealing with centimeter, maybe 10 centimeter wavelength. Uh, and uh, the most effective uh, absorbance that you have, uh, yes, if you have like lots of carbon nanotubes in the cloud that would absorb the, the radiation because carbon additives are basically what, what we would as physicists call dissipative. So they are like resistive little wires and, and that energy would just kind of dissipate there as heat. Um, uh, but, uh, but I don't think there's a capability anywhere in the world uh, where you would actually be able to produce ca- carbon additives at the volume that it would actually make sense. I, I mean, instead of carbon additives, you, you could be just uh, exhausting a, a whole shitload of ash uh, into the cloud, 
but the, the problem becomes that typically ash particles are quite large and they really don't flow for that long so 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 uh the problem gets exponentially harder the longer the wavelengths are that you try to, to block because the particle size that you need to deal with just by sheer physics has to be pretty large um and and thus they will be heavy and they won't float and they will fall off um when it when it comes to the worst uh, if i you know talk about radar frequencies the worst experience of transmission that i've ever seen in my life was in a pulp factory uh, where they make pulp uh, and they have this big kettle that has incredible temperatures and ash and water and all sorts of things but but it's a very dynamic environment and and you know that stuff that's floating in that environment just doesn't stay afloat for very long uh, I think there may be something which is relatively effective to the short wave infrared and potentially the three to five micron wavelength sort of the the short end of the the thermal infrared but when it comes to like eight to 12 microns thermal infrared, yes, there are some, some, some maybe smokes for that, but I, I, I think the, those are at this relatively low TRL technology level. That, that is the jargon. Uh, so that's just a comment and uh, great discussion today. Thank you for Scandy. Thank you. Yes. Um, I, 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 I completely agree with you. Sorry. I, I should have even phrased my, my crazy speculation as uh, this is highly unlikely, but um, as in happy speculation, but yeah, I agree with you. And in the, in the technological, the, the industry to support that, let alone the capability, if it exists anywhere, but the industry to support that with Russia, again, all your points are spot on. I, I should have couched my, my sort of sarcasm and, and humor, uh, and, and grounded just with a little bit of physics. Uh, but that's why the space is so awesome for, for people like you to, to come up with the specifics. Yeah. I, I think it's completely, you know, probably not there, but, but that was a happy dream, but, but you're on a, you know, <laughs> While we're on that that subject, and while CJ was talking about you know the bridge itself, I thought maybe uh, I could ask this question or, or make this statement, sort of focus it. Um, so the the timing of this rehearsal operation, whatever you want to call it, you know, it's 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 not significant, but it's not insignificant, right? It's something new. It's new information for us to take in. Uh, but I would also, you know, take that in with an understanding of the timing of what's happening. So we've previously seen in the Black Sea, you've got the sinking of the Moskva. Uh, then there was a, a, a sort of indeterminate period that was sort of lengthened uh, in terms of the, the naval act activity that we didn't see much for a while, uh, or hear too much. And then you had this period where Snake Island, there was some back and forth. There was some ships uh, in and around the island that were targeted. There was a, a tugboat ship. So all this, and then you had the oil towers that were targeted. Um, and if you look in hindsight and sort of peel it back, some of it makes a little bit more sense. It's it, it might not be accurate, but if you could just generalize it and say, Ukraine seems to have figured out the order of operations to dismantle, sort of dismantle this this dragnet of sensors and or jammers. Again, this is all, you know, speculative information that's that's out there uh, that people have alleged, you know, that there was jamming equipment on the towers. There could be there could be other equipment on the towers um, and that the towers could be used to um, support indirectly and mutually reinforce in sort of a, a network fashion, both for helicopter resupply or even ship staging. You know, it's 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 an it's one node. These are nodes in a network of extending out across the Black Sea. And what we're seeing is is Ukraine, in a general fashion, peeling back those layers and doing so in probably the order that's needed. Meaning, you know, we saw some of the ships, we saw the oil towers, uh, some of the support elements, and then you see more effective 
targeting of Snake Island. And so what I where I'm focusing this with Kurtz Bridges, just note the timing of that. And if you remove basically if if you need to get eyes out further or you need to get targeting or firing solutions across the Black Sea and into the Kerch, if you just want to open up your possibilities, whether you intend to use them or just threaten them, um, if you're going to control some of these vehicles, if you're going to send drones with radio links, it was it was alleged that some of the towers, the oil towers had radio jamming and that that could interfere with the operation of the drone link and the drone link being you know critical to get some some targeting information and data i just take it to a very general you know uh sort of generalized statement to say this could potentially open up firing solutions and targeting opportunities that didn't exist meaning peeling open a little bit further that black sea area from odessa from ukraine that may in the future offer targeting solutions at the kirch bridge I don't know the timing of that. I don't know if it will happen, but I'm saying is, is that you can see that drills now are taking place on the bridge. Whereas for our understanding, we hadn't seen this prior. Doesn't mean that the drills weren't there before this. They could have been, but I just take the timing of those into consideration to say that's what I would look for on the horizon, that uh, they may be trying to bolster defense of that bridge because now some of their uh, picket, radar picket jamming and their sensor network in the Black Sea is getting dismantled. And if they're forced to rely on ships, we go back to when they had the Moskva sunk. So, you know, I think they're just sort of um, trying to, the Russians are trying to figure out their positioning defensively and offensively in that entire region and the bridge being one of them. Thanks. Well, thank you. I'm not sure I understood everything, but uh, I'm an idiot when it comes to these things. So I'm sure everyone else understood. Uh, Scandinavo, I think you have an answer. Um, mystical, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe I can just comment. Uh, and, and this is maybe not directly related to what Gurney just said. Well, it is in, in, in some ways, but uh, one thing which is kind of interesting, uh, regarding the so uh, you know, the Russian and Soviet technology that, uh, especially the Soviets used to be really fantastic with respect to radar. Uh, I happened to do my sort of master's stuff uh, in the in the 90s, and uh, and uh, it was it was surprising that uh, there was like old Soviet technology working at frequencies that the the Western world hadn't heard of. You know, we're talking about 500 giga emitters and and transceivers and all these sort of things. So all the analog uh, Soviet radar stuff was just really, I think, beyond beyond the Western stuff at the time. You know, sort of. 80s, 90s. Um, but I, now I think, uh, you know, the tables have certainly turned because when it comes to modern military radar and all these sort of uh, applications, it's, it's moved more and more to the digital domain. Uh, and it's not, you know, the, okay, the analog front ends and mixers and, you know, the transceivers and the tubes and all these sort of things, uh, they are... <laughs> They are in a funny way, sort of secret, secret science in in a way that it's it's kind of a kind of weird uh, engine field of engineering, this microwave engineering. Um, uh, but but and, 